mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, you're listening to the LM Experience. Today it's episode 29. Good yeah, morning, Martin. Episode 29. Morning, Stu. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Good. Yeah, not too bad. What are we going to do for our 50th? Have you thought about that? Um, I thought around the Weekend world cruise, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I'm easy with that, as long as you're paying. A bit the Isle of Wight. It's not kind of cruise I mind, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, right, episode 29. Uh, we went international last time. Uh, we've gone uh, not quite so far afield, but we have gone quite a long way. We've gone down to Somerset for today's guest. We've got mm-hmm. Sam Whittlesey of Whittlesey Mortgages. Good morning, Sam. Morning, how are you? Are we, I'm all right, how are Good, you? thank you. I thought you were going to go morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not originally from Somerset. So no, where are you from originally? Uh, rugby, Warwickshire. Okay, so the first question we normally ask, and and, and this is where we'll find out how that happened. How did you end up in uh, in in Somerset? What's your, what's your sort of career path, Sam? You know, how did you get into the mortgage industry? How, what, what was the relocation all about? What's your what's your backstory? Uh, right, okay, so. Um Originally got interested in mortgages and finance whilst I was working in a state agency. So ah, I as an estate agent? Yeah, yeah. So I started off in sales of one sort or another, um, working alongside volunteering with disadvantaged people, right, disadvantaged okay. young people, yeah, yeah. which didn't pay any money because it was volunteering. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. had to supplement that and did that in an estate agency. In Warwick? In Rugby in Warwickshire. Rugby, yeah. um, and got talking to the IFA there at the time. That got me interested then, but didn't follow that up, didn't go any further. Just what year was that? It. Oh, Christ, that was... Uh, I'd have been 17, so it's a long time ago now. I'm 41. Right, right. right. so okay, it's going back a few years. I'll get And carried on with sales. Um, so did uh, car sales, right. state agency. I even did a bit of double glazing door knocking. Really, well, you've done a lot, just, haven't just you? Really you've got, cut you've got the actions getting, of evil there, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Cars, and windows, And just carried houses. on doing that, um, working with disadvantaged young people as well. Right. But eventually turned that into a career. That yeah. was what I decided to stick with and kept away from the sales. Get, get, get personal question, what made you want to choose that uh, sort of volunteering route? What, what was, was you drawn towards that? Is that felt that you want to give something back? Uh, it was a bit of a mix, really. Partly it was probably my mum's fault because that yeah. was her career. Oh, okay. She had her so own consultancy doing, doing that. So I used to help her out and doing stuff. But also that I was uh, one of those kids. Okay. So uh, going through school, I got excluded from school. Right. I did all sorts of stuff I shouldn't have done. Okay. Didn't go too far off that, fortunately. Um, mm-hmm. But just got in lots of problems yeah. for a variety of reasons. So actually, then when I managed to kind of get myself sorted out a little bit, it was like, well, actually, I've got something to give back. I can mm-hmm. mentor other kids. And yeah. so, oh, well, you don't need to go that route. Yeah. Um, and that seemed to go quite well. I used yeah, to yeah. kind of do that quite well and just turned it into a career and worked my way through. Got As what? What was that career then? Uh, so started off working for the youth offending team, right. um, doing uh, setting up crime reduction projects for okay. kids who were getting who were on the fringes of getting involved in in crime and trying to give them stop them stepping over the line. Yeah, whether mm. it's activities in the summer or whether it's actually just doing one to one mentoring with them, working with the families. But I was still quite young then, so that was pretty difficult in some mm. ways. The family work. <laughs> Um, but then I went on from that to working with the careers service, an organisation called Connections, which is no longer in existence, mm-hmm. but was supposed to be the, the one person that brings together social workers, the police, the offending team, everything else, and acts for the young person. Mm-hmm. Was that uh, a government initiative? It, sounds it like was. It. it was a <laughs> yeah. big labour initiative. Being advertised as well. Yeah, right. a massive yeah. labour initiative. Where did that fail then? Um, uh, the credit crisis. Basically. No yeah. money. All Budget the money cut. got pulled out. Yeah. So um, they we know, we know over- who to blame for that. Mark Dyson, you admitted it on the last podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> but they they they, they axed like fifty percent of the staff across the UK right. almost overnight. Social workers were getting axed at the same time, right. so there was no industry to go into. And that's normally the first thing that gets cut, isn't it? The things that are really socially most yeah. important. I'm guessing, and yes. it was and it was massive, uh, and nothing replaced it. Um, but right. at that time, it was like, well, what the hell do I do now? Right. And thought, oh, wait a minute, I was really interested in financial services, I just didn't go that way. I've done a bit of sales, um, and fortunately knew someone who was an MD at a local IFA firm, uh, quite a big one in the southwest. Spoke to him and he went, well, actually, um, the average person in our firm's 60. We need someone <laughs> we a lot younger in. need to drag that down yeah. a bit. Why don't you come in and be an IFA, come mm. and train? And I thought, oh, yeah, fantastic, give that a go. Gave that a go, and it didn't quite turn into being an IFA. I'm still a mortgage advisor. Oh, you never quite managed it. Because <laughs> I was doing well enough at that that yeah. I couldn't then take a step back to continue my training mm-hmm. to become an IFA. So I did my qualifications in pensions, bits and bobs, but then never actually did the last bit and turned it into being an IFA. So you could, you could get level four quite easily if you wanted I've to only, Yeah, it's one, it's one more module. One it's more not module. a big deal. It just because yeah. I decided to stick with being a mortgage advisor, I just never ticked that box. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite telling actually to be honest the amount of brokers that we speak to um how the high the percentages of people who never intended to get involved in this industry yeah about 99 percent of them mm. i guess yeah pretty much uh, who literally just kind of have got skills from all sorts of different areas and i think that's that's the good thing about the role i think generally for most people is that you you pull in a bit from what you've done in different areas in the past yeah. and if nothing else what it helps you with certainly is in relation to when you deal with your clients isn't it because you've got more skills showing empathy to other people and understanding them through Definitely that other the advice side of it and the mentoring and the, the support that's mm. very much the same that's no different now yeah, yeah. Really. so that's how you ended up down in somerset it's an interesting isn't it because you know mm. loads of people were driven out of the industry because of the credit crunch but you were driven into it yeah from from yeah. the credit crunch point of view so you're down in somerset now yeah and you're, you're broken with, with an ifa and, and that's pretty much what you've been for the last sort of six seven years um, well, I, yeah, I was with I was with the IFA firm, employed with them like a lot of people. Then went self-employed because that seemed like a better idea. Mm. Um, and then it finally came to the point for a whole range of reasons why I decided to just move away, mm-hmm. set up my own business. Yeah. Um, although currently in AR, but set up my own business yeah. and, and focus on on that. Right. And and how are you how are you finding twenty nineteen? What was first coming up to the end of the first quarter quarter now what's it what's it been like then good busy um we're in a bit of a bubble where we are because um we've got got hinkley point the big nuclear development Mm -hmm. um and that's brought in huge numbers of jobs people who are being paid far higher salaries than the the, the standard salary average average. so pushing house prices up in your house prices are going up strongly rentals are going up strongly um lots of people move into the area even if it's only temporary but the project's Mm -hmm. a 10-year project um, so that's meant that the air is like a little bubble, so it's very buoyant. Um, so that's how I ended up there. It was actually because it was buoyant, and that mm. was a good place to mm. kind of start doing what I was doing. Um, and that's carried on. Funny starts of the year, start of this year, I thought the whole world was imploding, and bre- <laughs> Brexit had caused some big problem because there was there barely any new inquiries. That first three, really slow start, back, two or wasn't three it? weeks of January, mm. which is quite odd. Yeah, I mean, we kind of felt the difference from like November onwards, which is normally when you start to get the feel of how January is going to look with yeah. the level of in- initial inquiries you get, and that really did tail off. And I was thinking the same. Start of the year was thinking, okay, is this it? <laughs> you know, you do start to think that because everything starts to dry up a little bit, and then suddenly out of the blue something else starts to happen and then you get on a roll. And I, I think that's how, certainly how I feel at the moment with how things have gone in the last month and a half, to mm. be honest. But it's, I just been, think it's been on and off all year because f- yeah. the next couple of weeks towards the end of January, I was thinking, how can I cope? 
Mm-hmm. Bit of volume. Four, four appointments a day, and how do you then actually deal with the back, the, actual, the, the, the work element admin of it and all the rest yeah. of it? Yeah. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Touching that because it's something that we talk about with a lot of brokers. Uh, Sam is like, what? How do you manage your day? Because we are, I don't, you don't meet many brokers that aren't phenomenally busy at the moment. Uh, but it's interesting to know how people structure their day and how they get it to work. And do you delegate? Do you pass stuff away? How do you work? At the moment, it's just me. So right. I delegate to myself quite a lot. Um, <laughs> when you're in. And just firefight, basically, yeah. from, from morning till night. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like to think I'm quite organised, but when you're busy, it's quite difficult to be organised because there are mm-hmm. so many as- aspects to the job mm-hmm. if you haven't got an admin's uh, support or something else there to take part of that away from you. Um, so it really is just a case of trying to keep on top of everything, and there isn't a great deal of structure to that at the moment. That's but the next stage is then the, trying to, to evolve, make sure it's is to find a way to delegate and more effectively. Grow the business, yeah, yeah. yeah I need to be able to do that. The key thing, really, as well, is that you've, you've just constantly got to juggle, haven't you? In terms of what's time deadline wise, get everything into a particular order yeah. and work your way through it, and get get the stuff off as quick as you can. Really, and, and make the thing, sure the customer's it? happy at the end of the yeah. day. Because if the customer's not happy, your client's not happy. They're not going to come back to you. They're not going to recommend mm. you. And I don't do any advertising, fortunately. I don't have to because my clients word of are always recommending me to their friends and family. Yeah. But that's only because the, the service is the first thing mm. and that they're always happy. So the reviews are always good. And you've got to make sure the service is there. I'd ru- I have turned plenty of people away in the last mm. year when it's got busier and busier and busier because I've had to make sure that the quality is still there to keep the business going. So yeah. what, is, what is the event horizon where you get to the point whereby then the service begins to drop because you, you're bringing in so much work I mean is, is there a point where you think actually you know at what point do you recognise there's been a downturn in service where, where do you see that where you start struggling to get back to customers right when they start saying oh you haven't got back to me on that you said you were going to call me but you didn't that kind of stuff yeah I think the trouble is then if, especially if that happens if you've got a repeat client who comes back and you've done things within a certain time scale sometimes yeah and then when they come back and then you're at a totally different business volume level when they next deal with you you're perhaps you may only be 24 hours Later than what the expectation is almost instant. The expectation is almost that you're always going to be that quick. Yeah. You've set the bar too high. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's the thing in a way, because the trouble is, first of all, I think everybody goes out of their way because you, what you want more than anything else, A, is to retain the clients that you do get. Because at the very beginning, that's always the problem is getting the new clients, isn't it? But you want to give them a level of service which ensures they go to you when it happens again rather than going somewhere else. Um, and I think in a way, we do potentially make a rod for our own back in terms of yeah. how people perceive us and if it changes very slightly, people get surprised by that, I think, to be honest. so Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, do you do a lot of protection? Uh, yes, yeah. I do. Do, I, I, in terms of volumes, the protection is more than a mortgage. And, is it's right? the, and it's the bit I enjoy quite a lot as well. Is it? Would you rather sort of specialise maybe towards that and bring someone in yeah. underneath you to yeah, do, so. do the mortgage work? Um, what I wanted to sort of maybe try and bring in today was just a bit of a debate about, about how people um, take income from protection because we're having a big debate in our office and across mm-hmm. the wider group and uh, with a number of other people as well on uh, on social media about indemnity versus non-indemnity yeah. and, and have you got a particular view on this Stu as well I mean what is there a risk to because at the end of the day you know we take the commission up front you're basically borrowing the money from the insurance company yeah. mm-hmm. on the assumption that the client's going to commit to the product and as we all know that doesn't always yeah that doesn't, are we putting a risk within our own businesses by staying on that old traditional way of taking um the money up front in one go i think the danger with it and i think everybody all i haven't met anybody who doesn't know specifically that the best route to take is to mix and match between mm. some indemnity and a lot of it on the drip yeah but i think the problem is sometimes i think dependent on the size of the firm that you have drives what you need to do 
And I think in that respect, that's where sometimes as you're growing the business itself, if you look at, and going back onto my old soapbox about generally about proc fee levels in the last decade, when you look at it, the reason why more brokers are doing protection is because they're not earning enough off yes. the back of the mortgages yeah. to be able to have Wean a sustain, sustainable business that mm. weans them off of the indemnity side of things. Yeah. Because I think it will be a rolling thing where, for example, if you didn't have to do as many mortgage cases to to break even every year, you then, for example, would be... Because a lot of the time, it's the mortgages that take the time. The protection side of things is a very specific thing with a client that you can literally, you can work on it for as long as you like. But you know the end product for the client is something there that you haven't got outside influences. So you haven't got uh, estate agents in the mix, for example, who don't do things when they're supposed to. You haven't got delays from the legal process in that respect. So I think more and more brokers would prefer to determine on do more work on protection because you've got a process there that you can control more in terms yeah. of time scale, whereas you can't do that with the mortgage side of things. What, think, what do you do, Sam? What have you got a particular preference? I mean, nothing's I'm, right or wrong. I'm just curious to know I what people are doing. So it used to be I always did it up, uh, yeah. did it up front, um, just because that's how the firm did it. Like I was mm. with before, but then actually over time, I've tried to mix it as much as possible and taken the probably the bigger business on the drip. Yes, because that's safer. Then you don't all of a sudden get a big clawback. What do you call big? What do you call big business? Like if, if it's like a, a two thousand pounds or more, you, or yeah, that you kind a, of order yeah. of magnitude. And of course, some premium, uh, some some uh, are quite a lot bigger than that. Um, but also, you get a feel for the customers. So mm. some customers, they know what they want at that point, but their circumstances are quite changeable or, or that sort of thing. You might take it in a different way because of that, because you've got to protect your own business and your mm. pipeline. Yeah. But going forwards, I'd like to put kind of almost all of it. Yeah. Um, uh, on the drip because then you know what you're getting you're mm. never having to pay anything back there's never yeah. any risk but of yeah. course you've got to have enough money in your business to do, to that. do that yeah, yeah. but um, also what you're doing is you, you are and this is another thing that we've talked about in the past you put in a value to your business which currently you don't have if you've got mm. a renewal stream coming in that's how IFAs get valued yeah. it's a continual income that they've got every single month we haven't got that as broken but we have got the opportunity with protection to suddenly become mm. A valuable business, yeah. so it's definitely worth. Tr- and also, you get paid more. Yeah, well, I think that's it. Pays more over four years than if you take two years worth up. Yeah, you're getting There's more money in if you take yeah. if you pay the long game. It works yeah. for everyone that way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is about mixing things up, isn't it? It's the same Absolutely. with other, other specialisms as well, isn't it? Things like equity release and that side of things. It's about balancing it all out because I think if somebody was solely concentrating purely just on the mortgage front, it'd drive you up the wall. Don't put all your eggs in one basket is a yeah. common phrase amusement of everyone right now. Um, Sam, any particular uh, trends coming for the year that you think brokers should be aware of? Where do you think, where do you think 2019, just forget about Brexit, we're not going to talk about that. Where do you think 2019 is going to end up? Um, I think there's actually still going to be a lot of pushing on the protection side. I yeah. think there's a lot more opportunity for the protection side to develop. A lot yeah. of advisors still really aren't doing anything with it. And a lot of the networks aren't really pushing it either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just put some mortgage protection in there. So yes. I think there's still a lot of development there in terms of making it normal to have a proper protection planning. It's a bit like we were talking about Jitten yes. recently, and he was talking about as well. Um, that's got to be done, but I think at the moment the platforms aren't really set up to mm. make that part mm. of it easy. Yeah. Um, and to have you don't see too much disruption, do you, on the on the, on the the protection side, no. like you have done in the mortgage front? You could do with making that process easier in yeah. some way. Because you, you said earlier, Stu, that sometimes the mortgage takes a long time, the protection's easier. Mm. We've got protection cases that have been going on for six months, nine months. Oh, yeah. Now. Well, yeah, you do, you've got that element of new, certainly with regards to the medical underwriting side mm. of things. And GP reports is just like, oh, yeah. put your finger in the air and you could 
might see it in six months or whatever. You're lucky. But that that's part of the problem, isn't it? But you've you've got a scenario where you've got that type of market where everybody who isn't this is the strange thing to me, um, is that everybody who isn't actually doing the job and seeing the clients all claim that people should be selling more protection, but there's actually nothing out there at the moment which is actually screaming at you we're making things simpler and making no. it easier for people to be protected. People, yeah, you know? uh, the, the the uptake would be astronomical if that if that did come about. I yeah. think from, from the broking community and and the, the consumer as a as a whole. Yeah. Uh, Sam, you've got one minute to tell us why you're the best mortgage broker in Somerset. All oh, right, okay. And why Whit- people should ring you up after today? Well, Whittlesea Mortgages um, always been a one to one thing, which yeah. is which is great, and clients love that. And at the moment, um, that's not uh, that's not changed. Um, and I guess that's why I was str- as I said earlier on struggling when actually those you start to have too many clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so managing that, but it's always been that clients know they can pick up the phone to me when they need to pick up the phone to me yeah. and get an answer. And that if a case is a bit tricky or a bit funny, that's actually when it works best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, plenty of them around. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there is. It's not. It's not all the kind of. High street lenders can't deal with a lot of the cases that we deal mm. with, mm. Um, and it's having someone there who can ex- explain all parts of the process, not just the obvious bits. Um, but a first-time buyer coming in doesn't know anything about any of the parts involved with the purchase. You're quite, or the you're quite holistic. I mean, you're pretty much any, anything in the, you know, uh, uh, regulated, secured lending market. You, you do that. Are you in extra release? Are you in bridging? Um, no, don't do any extra release. No. Don't do any spe- uh, specialist or bridging. Um, it is just residential yeah. and buy to let. Yeah. Um, what you know. But within that, um, everything, I do uh, do quite a bit of adverse credit. Yeah. Uh, so people who've had blips in the past, even quite significant ones, mm-hmm. um, done plenty of that um, and quite enjoy that. It's quite quite challenging. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. Good. Whereabouts can people find you on online? Uh, so on Twitter, uh, Sam Whittlesey. Um, alternatively, uh, Whittlesey Mortgage. Uh, Whittlesey Mortgage is also on LinkedIn and on Facebook. Uh, so fairly easy to find online. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Good stuff. Last question. Sam, who's your football team? Uh, fortunately, don't really do football. Oh. Um, not since Man United sport then. Well, it was it was, Ever- joke, it was, was Everton <laughs> when I was a schoolboy, but um, so, so not a football fan then. No, not really. <laughs> okay, so what's what's our supplementary question for non-footballers? It, it is indeed. It is what was your first um, single yeah. or download that you got? I'm going to change that sure, question. Right. Oh, crikey. Well, single was probably um, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice <laughs> Baby, unfortunately. Get out, um, see. So no. I, I prefer albums, to be honest. I can remember the albums, Portishead, Massive Attack were the first albums. Yeah. Right. I see. You, you saved you yourself moved, there. He moved on from You that, saved himself yeah. from the Question Ice is, Ice though, Baby. Did, did you learn how to do the dance that was in the video? Oh, God, no, no, no. I bet no, you had no, the hair, That, that would have been going too far. Yeah. Right. On that note, brilliant. Listen, Sam, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for taking the time to come up and see us today. You're welcome. Um, yeah, that's episode uh, 29. It is indeed. Yeah, thank you to Sam. Um, if you've got any suggestions for future guests or you'd like to actually come on yourself, please let us know. You can also send us questions through our Twitter feed as well which is at the LM Experience on Twitter and we will be back with you again soon thanks Sam thanks too cheers thanks for listening and please subscribe and follow us on Twitter and remember there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party and your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it